Welcome to the Sanctus NYC Message Podcast. We are the young adult community of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, built on the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us today as we look to God to lead us into the fullness of the life that he has for us. But I want to take things to the next logical step. I feel like each thing that we've heard so far is kind of built off of each other. And we started off last night talking about how it's just trusting Jesus, not trying to give him anything to earn something from him. It's recognizing there's nothing you can give him, that this is not you making some exchange with God, but there is an exchange being made with God. It's you giving him your sin and him giving you everything he has. That's why it's called the good news. Amen. There's nothing better. That all God is saying is, if you would just believe and trust me, then you will become my child and you will be restored to what you were created for, which is me. Today, we talked more about how in all of the different areas of our life, we're constantly, we have this vacuum in our heart. We have this thirst. We're looking for thing after thing, grabbing these buckets. It's like we're drawing water out of buckets, but it's that salt water that just continues to leave us thirsty. You could even be a Christian and just have a saltwater diet only. And that's why maybe you're coming into this retreat a believer, but you're like on life support. It's like God has done something in your life at one point, but if you look at the last couple of weeks or months or years of your life, it's been nothing but just eking by. There's been no joy, no power, no peace. Why? Because you're settling for salt water when you were created for the living water. But tonight... I just want to share with you guys a quick thought. It's not going to take too, too long. Um, but I want to point us, I think we have the verses on the screen. We can put them right up to a passage from John chapter 16. And so to understand a little bit of the context of this passage, you have Jesus talking to his disciples. Who were his disciples? They were a bunch of nobodies who were nothing special about them. They weren't strong. They weren't great people that God was looking through the world and said, God chose these people not because of anything that had to do with them other than the fact that he just loved them, right? It was a wild mix of people. And so he comes, he calls them, he says, come walk with me. Come be my disciples. Learn of me. And I will walk with you. I will teach you. I will love you. And through the course of three years, there were 12 disciples who walked with Jesus, did ministry with him, shared meals with him, joked with him, cried with him. Imagine you're just a fisherman or you're just a tax collector. You're somebody just going about your insignificant life in a random corner of the world. And out of nowhere, God in human flesh calls you by your name and says, come with me. That's been these guys' experience. So Jesus says, come with me. They walk with him. Their lives are transformed. But now coming to the end of their time with each other, before Jesus has been crucified, Jesus tells them, he drops a bomb on them. He says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said this, because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. 
So just to pause there, Jesus is pretty much saying, I'm leaving and I'm not going to be coming back. And he's recognizing as he's saying this, there's like a sorrow, obviously, that's coming over them. Not only has he been a friend and a brother and a source of encouragement and correction and love, he, he's God. They've been able to walk with God. And now from this point forward, they're not going to be able to walk with God anymore. So understandably, you would be a little upset, right? I was thinking like me and my wife always do this thing where we'll always just be like, I pray that I die before you. Because <laughs> it would just be a lot better to not be the one left. <laughs> because when you love somebody, obviously the idea of being apart from them, that is devastating. The loss of that. And so here they are. Faced with loss, sorrow, grief, and this is what Jesus says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So what Jesus is saying in this moment to his disciples is I have been walking with you for three years. I've taught you all of these things. I've loved you. I've encouraged you. But even though you've had these life-altering, transformative experiences right beside me, it's so much better for you that I'm about to leave you. Because what I'm sending in return is so much better than what you could possibly have with me being beside you. That makes me think just for us on this retreat. You could come into this, and I'm believing that there are a lot of people here who could say, I believe that God has spoken to my heart over the last day and a half, that I've had a new faith stirred inside of me, that I feel like I'm close to Jesus, and I'm hearing things, and it's just moving me and breaking my heart, and I, I realize, like, this is real. Like, I want this. But what can happen when we find ourselves in moments where we see God beginning to do something in our life, we could find ourselves almost getting discouraged at the same time. Because how many people know what I'm talking about where maybe God's doing something in your life right now because you're in a retreat, you're around all of these people, we have the worship team, the bass is blasting, it's insane, God is moving, this is unreal, I'm in nature. And then I have to go back to the Bronx. <laughs> you might even have to go back to Staten Island. <laughs> God forbid. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> we, we couldn't go through this retreat without getting one shot in at Staten Island. Um, but you say, okay, it's easy to walk with God here when I'm just being surrounded by the things of God. And it's just being force fed to me. And it's amazing, and it's high-quality stuff, and I got these spiritual chefs cooking me nice meals that I could just chew on all day. But once I get back to my house with my family, my friends, my job, my depression, my patterns of addiction, I, I know who I really am. And I know that although this is great and it feels like I've had a couple nice tingles and it might even feel like God's speaking to me, what about Thursday this week when I get home? It's like it would be a lot easier to serve God if we just all formed a cult and just 
took over Lake Champion and that this was just now the, uh, the Sanctus family. <laughs> but that's not realistic. And that's obviously not what God has called you and I into. You know, God has a literal call and a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible says God works all things together for good. The Bible says that we have been born for such a time as this. Part of what that could mean is even the family that you are in right now, the, the world that you are inhabiting is a part of the plan and purpose and intent in how God created you and where he's placed you. So if you having a walk with God is dependent on you just being around this, or maybe we go back to New York and you do really good spiritually on the weekends. When you go on the weeks where we have Sanctus, you're really strong. The off weeks, it's not that good. But then once you get to Sunday, you get that little recharge. And then by Wednesday, things are rough again. And it's just this cycle of you only have as much as you have gotten in just being in proximity around other people who can try to help you in your relationship with God. I think that that is a similar predicament that the disciples found themselves in. Because you have Peter, who, with Jesus being next to him, still betrayed him. So once Jesus leaves, what is he supposed to do? If that's who he is with Jesus next to him, then with Jesus completely gone, who knows where he's going to go? You have Matthew. He's a tax collector. He's pretty much a thief. His life, up until the moment that Jesus called him, was immoral and sinful and selfish. Jesus came and changed everything, but now Jesus is leaving. So what's going to happen with him? Thomas was a doubter. <laughs> he with Jesus being right there, had a hard time even trusting him after seeing all of the miracles that, God, that Jesus did before his eyes. And even with all of that, he still was struggling on such an insane level. And so if Jesus being next to them still left them that week, what would that mean about him leaving then? Where will they find themselves? If maybe you haven't been doing great in your walk with God, maybe you're not even, maybe you've met God this weekend for the first time, but then it's like we're leaving here, and then what? What are we left with? This is what Jesus says in this passage. It's actually better that you leave, that I leave in, in this situation. He's saying it's better that I leave because when I go, the helper is going to come. Who is the helper? The Bible calls him the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is one member of the Trinity. He is, the Bible says, the helper. The Bible also has so many other names for him. The Bible calls him the spirit of Christ. The Bible calls him the advocate, the helper, the convictor of sin, the encourager, the comforter. There's all of these names that are attributed to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And Jesus is saying, it's better that I leave you because when this person comes, this person of God, he's not going to just be somebody beside you. He's going to be somebody inside of you. Do you realize that the fruitfulness and the success of your relationship with God has everything to do with what Jesus is saying in this passage right here? The thing that's going to make your life look different, the thing that ended up making the disciples' lives completely transform 
You know, Peter, like I said, he betrayed Jesus. But the Bible tells the story of this helper finally coming and filling the hearts of the believers. And when that happened, their lives transformed. And so this is the encouragement and the good news that I have for you today. If you are here and you know I've put my faith in Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to make me new, what that means for your life isn't that you just have, you're on good terms with God now. It doesn't mean you've just been forgiven and you have a fresh start and now you have a, a new opportunity away from the mistakes of your past to try to live a good life, live a life that God's going to be happy with. The good news of Jesus is so much more than that. It is this today. If you've put your faith in Jesus here, the God of the universe has come to fill your heart. That's something that you can just hear. Like we were saying earlier, like these are words that maybe you've heard before that you may even be somewhat comfortable with. We're like, yeah, I know that. Think about that for a second. My sinful, broken self, Luke Petri, who has completely disqualified himself from the love and the grace of the, the being in a relationship with God. God didn't just forgive me and give me a fresh start. He says, I'm going to make your heart my home. If you've put your faith in Jesus today, why can you begin to walk out of this retreat in confidence? Because God isn't leaving you to yourself to try to get this thing figured out. God isn't saying, all right, I've taught you a couple lessons. Are you going to be able to connect the dots and try your best and make things happen for yourself? I say this almost every week in Sanctus, but this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and most of you know this. The Bible says this, abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God has given us a lot of commands about what our lives need to look like. But do you realize that how could God command us to do something that we can't even do? Do you realize everything that you see God is speaking to you about your life, about how he's calling you to live, what he's calling you to change, what your life is supposed to look like. That is not something that he's just watching to see if you're going to be able to pull it off. He's saying, you can't do it, but guess what? You have me now. Paul in the Bible says this, it's not even me living anymore. It's him living through me. The success of your life in God is how much of God is inside of you, really. It's not how good you are. It's not how hard you try. It's are you filled with the helper? Do you have the spirit of God inside of you, working through you, empowering you? The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ. We're called to be like Jesus, but we can't be like Jesus. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit, so that through his power at work in our life, we will be transformed. It's not us becoming better. It's him filling us with himself. All of the things that you're discouraged by in your life right now, every area of weakness, every situation where you just know I'm stuck there. It could be just baggage in your life, emotional baggage, struggling to forgive, dealing with hatred, struggling in being controlled by lust, just being in cycles of sin and addiction, like we're saying, that you look at, there could be a fear inside of you. Like, I'm leaving here, but then what's going to change? Like, was this enough? 
Was being in a couple services and worshiping a little bit enough to deal with this stuff inside of me? But this is the message of Jesus for you. This is the good news today. That if you've put your faith in Jesus, then that means that the Holy Spirit is within you. What does that mean? Every single thing that you need in life, you already have. It's yours. God isn't saying, if you try harder, if you prove yourself to me that you're ready to graduate to the next level, then I'll give you more of myself. He's saying, you can never qualify yourself for me. You could never earn more of me. But because of Jesus, everything I have is yours. That's what it means to be a child of God. The Bible says when you're a child of God, you're like an heir. What that means is it's like you are a child who is entitled to everything that the Father has. Just because of the fact that you have put your faith in Jesus and you believe, that means all that God has today is yours. He's not withholding himself. He's not keeping things back from you and saying, well, I'll let you try to figure this out on your own. He's saying, apart from me, you can do nothing. But because of me now, you can do everything. Paul says this, I have no confidence in my flesh, in myself. He, the reason why he lived such a powerful life is because he realized how hopeless he was. He realized how weak he was. He realized that to be like Jesus was something that was so beyond what he was capable of doing that he wasn't even trying to do it anymore. He just put his faith in what Jesus had promised him, that I am now giving you everything that you need. Second Peter says this, everything needed to live a godly life has been given to you. So if it's been given to me, where is it? <laughs> where is that thing? You might feel like that today. What you're saying sounds good, but I've tried, I've prayed, and it just, I'm still stuck. I'm still kind of in the same cycles of my life, in my sin. Well, what I want to encourage you with today is this. You have as much of God as you have trusted him for. The Bible says this. I already said that, that uh, everything needed to live a godly life has been given for you, given to you. That doesn't mean that you've taken it. Just because God has given you everything you need does not mean you've received everything you need from him. Why? Because the Bible calls this life that we live the good fight of faith. Everything, every aspect, what, what brings the power and the life and the peace of God is us trusting him. It's faith. A lot of people here, it's like we have conversations and it's like we're still stuck in the same thing where it's like I'm still struggling with this sin and yeah, I just don't know what I need or when God is going to help me and you know, I'm just trying to figure things out and it's just we talk and it's month after month after month passes and it's like nothing changes. Can I tell you why? It's because you're waiting for God to give you something that he's already given. It's just you don't realize that he's given it to you, so you're not trusting him for it. The Bible says he is the helper. He's going to lead you in all things. He's going to give you strength. He's going to make you like Jesus. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit in your life is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. The Bible also says you haven't been given a spirit of fear. You've been given a spirit of love, power, and self-control. So this brings us to this point now. Just because you are a Christian does not mean that you have your eyes fixed on and that you are trusting in the gift of the Holy Spirit that's been given to you. You have a helper, but that doesn't mean that you're still not trying to do things on your own, in your own strength. How many times in my life have I found myself in a position where I felt so on fire, so encouraged, feeling like I finally broke through and that I was strong enough to live the life God had called me to live. And after a couple days of doing my thing, finding myself in the exact same spot that I was in right before that. I'm sure some of you guys can relate to that today. The reason why is this. I don't change. I'm still the same me. I don't get better. Just because you've been a Christian for a year now or a couple years or whatever, that same sinful Luke that Jesus died on a cross to save me from is there. But you have been given a new life. You've been given a new nature. You've been given the spirit and the life of God inside of you. Do you believe that today? Because if you don't, then you're going to just still try in your own strength or hope that God is going to help you and give you something that he's already promised you, that he's given you. So what you need today, what I need today as we leave here, what is going to transform our lives as we leave this retreat? It is the Holy Spirit filling us, giving us strength, transforming us, making us like Jesus. If you and I know anything today, it's we are stuck apart from him. But thank God, we have him. So we don't even need to worry about that anymore. You have to acknowledge it, but you can't let that control you. Because God has promised you, I'm with you now. And so I want to just give you a couple practical things just to think about when it comes to the Holy Spirit and what it means to live with him. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit in a very interesting way. It says... A command that we have in the New Testament says this, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's interesting because we're, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you're a believer, that means that you have been given the Holy Spirit. But just because you have him doesn't mean that he's filled you. Another word for filling is control. The Bible says this, let the Spirit control your life. Another translation says, walk in step with the Spirit, and you won't satisfy the desires of your flesh. When the Spirit is filling you and controlling you, when he's in the driver's seat of your life, then what flows out from there is Jesus. If he's not in the driver's seat of your life, then that means you're still stuck with you. And so, number one, I want to just give you guys a couple practical principles of what does it look like then to walk with the Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number one is this. The Bible says, you are the temple of God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means he 
fills your life, and like I just said, when he fills you, that means he's controlling you, and you're seeing Jesus flow out of you. But the Bible also says this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, your bodies are the temple of, Holy, of the Holy Spirit, but what fellowship does light have with darkness? Does the Spirit of God have with idols? If you are here just wanting God to fit into your life, if you have certain areas that you say, okay, God, I'll give you control of that, but these areas of what I feel like I need, this kind of entertainment, these kinds of relationships, this idea of what success in my life will look like, God, I want you as long as you will fit into my idea of what I think my life should look like. That's not a temple that the Holy Spirit can fill. He doesn't share with other idols. If you have other things in your life that you think are just as or even more important than God filling your heart, the Bible says that that's an idol. That's something that you have made into a, another God alongside him. One of the, the Ten Commandments says, I am the Lord your God, and you can't have any other God apart from me. With me and my wife, how, could I ever expect to have a healthy, united, fruitful relationship with her if I was on Tinder? Obviously not, right? <laughs> Why? Because that's not what unity looks like. That's not what relationships, loving relationships look like. The Bible says God is a jealous God, that he doesn't share a place in your heart with other things. And so if you're here today and you say, okay, I like the idea of God. I like the idea of him filling me with peace. Uh, but I also like that stuff. So I just want to have like a healthy mix. Like I don't want to be like a, a Christian Christian. Like a good amount would be pretty cool and maybe go to a couple more church services than I am right now. Can I tell you, don't expect to know the God of the universe. Do you want to know God? Do you want to be filled with his Holy Spirit? which brings all of what you need into your life and makes you like Jesus. If you want that, then the temple of your heart needs to be his. So number one, the way we are filled with the Holy Spirit is when we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit. What that looks like is, God, here is my life. I don't have a closed fist. I have an open hand. Here is my life. Take what you will. Put in what you will. Lead me. I'm not going to put my ideas of what I think success in my life. This is what my career needs to be. This is what relationships need to be. This is what my free time needs to look like. God, here is my life. It's a blank slate. Now come and mold it into whatever it needs to be so that I could know you. If that's not the posture you're going to take in your life, then all you're stuck with is the life that you've always known apart from him. A life without his peace, without his love and joy. So number one, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to surrender the temple of your heart and let him take whatever needs to go. Number two is this. You need to own your weakness. We've talked all through these messages about how the gospel meets us in our sin how apart from him we could do nothing, how he needed to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. 
The message of Jesus is this. You can't just do some good things and a lot of other bad. It's like, no, apart from me, you literally cannot do a single thing. You know, the godliest people I ever met in my life are the most humble people I've ever met in my life. Because when you recognize how little you have within yourself, when you recognize, like, and it's something God needs to help all of us with today, but to the, to the extent that you're still holding on to your life and your abilities and thinking, like, I've got this apart from him, you're missing out on him. Like, with God, it's not my 20 with his 80. It's not my 50 with his 50. It's me just bringing my zero to him and saying, God, I'm looking to you for the full 100 today. That's what walking with Jesus looks like. Amen. And so if you want to be filled with the Spirit, you have to recognize you need the Holy Spirit. Apart from him, I can't do anything. Day by day, moment by moment. Situation, relationship, work, school, whatever it is. Like, yeah, maybe I could do some things, but the Bible says, in me you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me you could do nothing. I can't be like Jesus apart from him, and that's what I need. And so, God, why do I need the Holy Spirit today? Because you're my only hope. Because apart from you, I'm left with myself. So, number one, you need to surrender your temple. Number two, you need to own your weakness. Number three, you need to receive the promises of God for your life. That verse that I shared in 2 Peter says this, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. He's given us these great and precious promises so that through them we can partake in all of the life of God. That's kind of a paraphrase. But what that means is, God is saying, I've given you all of these things, but if you want them, you have to come to me and receive them. Paul says, I live in a constant state of prayer. That doesn't mean that he is not antisocial, not doing work, in a closet all day praying. It means that situation by situation, moment by moment, he just has a conversation going on with God saying, Lord, I need this now. Here's another situation. Here's another area of weakness. Here's an area where I'm starting to feel fear in my heart. I'm, I, all of these different things are coming at me. And, Lord, I'm trusting in you for this now. I'm trusting in you for that now. You've promised me this. You've promised me that. A life that is filled with the Holy Spirit is a prayerful life. You have to have an ongoing conversation with God. If apart from him you could do nothing, then in each area, each moment, you have to keep on inviting and receiving what he's promised you how he wants to meet your needs and help you. And fourth, the last thing I want to share with you before we begin to close tonight is if you are surrendered, if you have, uh, what was my, my second thing? If, you, if you're owning your weakness, if you have trusted God and you're saying, God, I'm now depending on you for this, then from that moment, you have to begin to walk in faith. I think a lot of us in our relationship with God, in the things that we ask him for, we spend a lot of our time just hoping that God comes through rather than being confident that he's going to do what he's promised. 
can I tell you, just hoping that God is somehow going to be good and maybe he might help you based on how you've been doing lately and you've been a good boy or a good girl, so because of that, now God's going to give you a little extra something. That's not faith. The Bible says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The Bible says, if you ask anything in my will, I'll hear it. And if I hear it, that means it's already yours. So we're about to get practical with this now. You are wrestling with sin in your life. You see strongholds that have just dominated you. It's like, yes, this is me. This is my flesh. This is what I do, and this is why I need your power. What does walking with the Spirit look like in the middle of our struggle with sin? It's taking these steps that I said, but finally after praying and saying, God, you've promised me that you've put yourself inside of me. You've promised me that you're going to give me strength. You're going to help me do everything that you've called me to do. Once you've gone to him and you've trusted him and you've received it, you have to just begin to move forward in faith that God is with you and he's going to do what he said he was going to do. If you spend your whole life just waiting for some feeling or something where you're like, like you're sitting there and it's like, God, help me love this person. And you're just sitting there and praying and praying and then it's like, I don't feel the love yet. And so maybe I'll love them next time. And then you spend 20 years just waiting until you feel some kind of tingle of love in your heart. That's not a life of faith. That's not a life walking in step with the Holy Spirit. What a life of faith looks like is this. Of course I can't love that person. <laughs> That's me. But guess what? I have you. And you're not withholding yourself from me. You promised me that if I come to receive in faith, you're going to give me what I'm asking for. So, Lord, fill me with the love of Jesus today for this person. God, I've trusted you for this. Now, how you doing, sweetheart? That's, that's what it means to walk in faith. Don't, yeah, not sweetheart. Well, I mean, I was talking to maybe a family member or something. It wasn't a, um, you got me, you got me. It's like this, if you, like imagine, imagine somebody from biblical times going to a supermarket right now in 2022 and they just see this completely flat wall of glass and they see all of these people inside buying things, walking around and they're looking and no matter where they look, they can't find a door. They can't find a handle, right? And so you say to them, no, so that's a sliding door. All you have to do is walk towards it, and as you walk, it's going to open. And they're like, yeah, right. <laughs> and you're like, no, no, this is, it's real. If you begin to walk towards it, it is going to open up. And can I tell you, that really is what a life of faith looks like. It's if you have put your faith in Jesus for what he's promised you, then it doesn't matter if the wall looks like it's closed. You begin to walk towards it, and as you get there, in the power of Jesus, that door opens. That's who Jesus is. And so we're about to close in a second. If you guys could just come up, Timmy and, and Pedro, just the band for right now. The singers don't need to come yet. But how does this apply to your life? There are a billion different struggles in this room right now. There's different fears of, am I actually going to be able to get through this thing? Am I actually going to be able to overcome this besetting weakness that has dominated my life? 
is my life just going to be more of this getting some spiritual high, crashing back to reality? Getting a spiritual high, crashing back to reality. Or is there more? Can I tell you, the reason why the gospel of Jesus is called the good news is because it is so much better than whatever you're experiencing that may be up until this point. Life in the Holy Spirit. God says, you don't earn him. You don't graduate to him. It's when you believe he's yours. And if you've believed today, if you're confident here that you've been born again and you have the spirit of God. No, no. If you're confident you've been born again, then you must be confident that you have the spirit of God living inside of you. So many of us live such timid, fearful lives, scared of ourselves, scared of the world around us. You want to know why? It's because you don't believe that God is really inside of you. You don't believe that what he's promised that he will do in you is actually real. Because if you did, why would your mind be filled with anxiety over all of those different things? The Bible, Jesus says this in the Bible, according to your faith, it will be with you. You only have as much of God as you've trusted him for. Today, there are situations in your guys' lives, in my life, that you may be overwhelmed in right now. You may be very aware of your sin and maybe even feeling very hopeless that anything in your life is actually going to change. What I want to, with everything that's inside of me, give you faith for today is that literally the God of the universe is with you and in you. He's not withholding himself from you. He's not keeping the things that you need in his hand and waiting till you see, until he sees you do some good things and then each finger will slowly start eking open before finally you've earned the grace that you need to live. If you are in Jesus today, God is yours. The Holy Spirit is yours. There's nothing you need to do to earn him or qualify yourself for him. Jesus already took care of that. So moving forward from this place on, leaving this retreat, going home, you have to believe now with your entire heart that God is with you. He knows who you are, what you're going through, the world you're living in, the challenges you're facing, the ways you've struggled. And despite all of that, he's saying, take courage. I've overcome the world. I know what your world looks like, but take heart today. I've already overcome it for you. I have already won the battles that you're struggling in. Will you let me now come and fight them for you? I hope that this was kind of something last minute. God kind of led me in a different direction on what I wanted to talk about. But I really am feeling that this is from God today. That you can't just be a observing consuming Christian in a church where it's like the extent of your walk with God is, well, yeah, I get discouraged sometimes, but I really like hearing that one pastor speak, and I like the worship over there, or this week the worship wasn't as good, and I don't know. It's like, it's like your relationship with God, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you have God inside of you. He loves you. He has promised to lead you into all truth, to give you strength, to give you peace, to give you love. So 
this is just the closing pretty much of what I was saying yesterday. To get more of God does not look like climbing up to try to get to him. It's more just like sinking down into him beneath you and just saying, God, I'm trusting you. So what are the struggles in your life today? Do you feel hopeless over certain areas in your life? You need to trust today that Jesus is with you and in you. You need to believe today that through his power, your life is not going to look the same. That day by day, as you begin to walk with him and let him fill your life, when you realize that it's not even about you trying to do good things for him and trying to be a good person, trying harder, but just saying, God, apart from you, I can do nothing. I'm weak. But like Paul says, in my weakness, you're there and you're strong with me. Here, I'm going through my days. I'm going through my life. I'm just confronted by my weakness in so many areas. But thank God that in each area where I see my weakness, where I see my temptation begin to overtake me, I see my temper flaring up, I see fear beginning to enter into my mind, I can rest knowing, wait, this thing is here right now, but guess what? It's not my job to beat this thing because I know I can't even do it. God, you're with me. For this thing, you love me. You're with me. You've already promised me you're going to help me. If we begin to live our lives that way, we're situation by situation, step by step, different things come at us, but we keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your eyes on that he is with you and he's going to help you. Your life is going to look never the same. Think of Peter when Jesus is walking on water and calls him and says, step out of the boat and begin to walk towards me. And he takes a step. And his feet are literally, it's like he's stepping on something hard. And he takes another step. And he's walking on water towards Jesus. He's doing something supernatural. Can I tell you, the life Jesus is calling you to live is entirely supernatural. It's something you're completely incapable of doing. But because the power and the spirit of God is inside of you, you are completely capable of doing now. Living the life God has called us to live is even crazier than walking on water. To be like Jesus, but that's why he's given you his spirit. And so Peter begins to walk. He takes step after step. His eyes are on Jesus. Then what happens? There are waves that are blowing. They're massive. They start chasing at him. And in the middle of him walking on water, he sees waves that are coming at him. And he does the logical thing. He tries to figure out, how do I maneuver myself around this? How do I beat this wave? How do I make sure this thing doesn't take me out right now? And the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and took his, put his eyes on the waves, it's a logical thing. When you're struggling, when your heart is hurting, there's different temptation that's coming at you, it makes sense that you start freaking out and say, oh, this is overwhelming. What do I do with this? How do I fix this? But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and put his eyes on the waves, he began to sink. The supernatural power was gone. And Jesus says, you of little faith. Can I tell you this? This is a word from God today. The areas of your life where you maybe don't feel a lot of hope of ever changing. Jesus is looking at you today and saying the same thing he said to Peter. You of little faith. Do you not realize what I've done for you? Do you not realize I've paid the price? I've forgiven you. I've given you my life inside of you. There is nothing that can overcome you anymore. There's nothing that can take you out. You're not defined 
by anything that's going on around you anymore. I am with you. You of little faith. Today, Jesus is challenging all of us in a new way. He's saying, trust me now that I am enough for whatever it is that you are wrestling with or going through. I didn't die on the cross to just leave you floundering on your own, trying to deal with the brokenness of your life and hopefully figuring it out. Jesus is saying, I am your father. I love you. The Bible says if he didn't spare his own son but gave him generously, will he not also give us everything else we need? That is the God you've put your faith in today. So as I close, I want to just give us an opportunity. We're going to begin to sing, but I want you to begin to get specific. I believe God may be putting something on your heart today of these are areas of my life These are battles I'm going through, and I just feel like, God, where are you in this? Can I tell you, he's in you. And he's saying, would you begin to now trust? Give me your life. Give me your heart. Let me fill you. Let me reorder your heart. And trust that I am enough. I'm going to see you through it. Let's begin to see faith rise in our hearts and rise in our lives. The Bible says we live by God's grace through faith. You want to get God's grace? You need to trust him today. So whatever it is you're going through, take this to Jesus. Trust Jesus that he has promised you, I am going to, I am more than enough for whatever this battle is, and I'm going to see you through to victory. Can we all stand up? Pedro's going to begin to sing us out. Before he sings, I just want to pray real quick with you guys. I want you to get specific now in your heart and say, God, I really haven't been trusting you for this area of my life. But Jesus, today, I want to stand on what you've promised me, that you are in me, that you are going to help me. You're going to lead me into victory. You're going to fill me with your life. Take that specific thing and bring it to God right now. thank you today that as we surrender to you and as we trust you, you fill us. You make us into what we're called to be. We can't change ourselves. We have seen, Lord, who we are apart from you. And today, God, we say we want to live in the Holy Spirit. We want your life to fill us. We want to walk in victory and in power, in love, in joy, in peace, We don't want to just live lives where we just know a lot of good things about you, but there's not power in our hearts. God, we want to leave here and begin to see who we are in each of the 
situations that we were in before, Lord, be completely different because of your power inside of us, Lord. I pray over each person here today, God, that you will begin to just stir in them a faith and a trust that you are with them, that you are not withholding yourself from them, that you love them, that everything that you're calling them to do, you are gonna give them the power and the grace to do it. Let them get single-mindedly focused that God, you are their strength, you are their power. Moment by moment, God, day by day, that they wouldn't depend on themselves, that they wouldn't just try to live in their own strength. God, that they would own, that I would own, that apart from you, we can do nothing, but that Jesus, we have you. In you, we can do all things. I pray over anyone who is here today, God, who is walking in condemnation, over shame in areas, God, that they've sinned and failed and that they might feel like they have to try to fix themselves. Lord, help them to see today that there is forgiveness and mercy in you. And God, we can't change ourselves. We just run to your mercy and you transform us. Free us today from any self-dependence in any ideas that we could ever save ourselves. You are our savior, God. And so today, God, we are trusting you to save us. We're trusting that as we leave this retreat, Lord, we are going to walk in the spirit. You're gonna be with us. You're gonna guide us. You're gonna strengthen us. And Lord, we're not gonna be the same. Not because we've changed, but because we have been filled with you. Lord, I pray over each person today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit right now, God. Fill us up, Lord. Lord, remove anything in our heart that's taking your place. You are our hope today, God. And we put our faith in your love. And so, Lord, I just pray as we begin to close out tonight that there will just be faith in this room, Lord, that each person here will have a new awareness and sensitivity that, God, you are for them. You're with them. You love them. You're going to take care of every need that they have, that, God, they can walk hand in hand with you step by step throughout the rest of their lives, and you are going to keep them, Father. We love you so much. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. To connect with us, visit our ministry page at brooklyntabernacle.org or you can follow us on our Instagram at SanctusNYC.